Church, you're listening to our sermon podcast. We hope you find these messages helpful during this Advent season. Let's dive in together and make room for Jesus. Let every heart prepare Him room. Thanks for joining us. Let's begin. Amen. Good morning and welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you guys are with us today. I know that there's a lot of people who aren't feeling well this week. (laughs) It seems to be going around. So everyone who sat on this side is sick. Which means that someone over there started it, right? <laughs> Maybe next week this side will be gone. Who knows? We'll see what happens. No, no, truly w- welcome. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And then just take a moment to celebrate and to think about and really enjoy the season of peace. Uh, peace. Last week we looked into hope and just the message that we should make room for Christ. And so before we get started today, will you please bow your heads and go with me in, uh, to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this beautiful morning, this gift, Father, to be able to gather in your name and in a school, Lord Jesus, we do not take it for granted. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us today, Father. You know, We know that you have us here, Father, for a good reason. This is not coincidence, but you do have a word for us. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us grow, be challenged, Father, Father according to your spirit and truth. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. So just as I mentioned, last week we kicked off our Advent season with the idea of making room. <clears throat> Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is coming. That's what the word Advent means, a coming And so Jesus, let me make this clear, has come and is coming. And therefore, like that tune goes, let every heart prepare him room. And that's what we're doing. We're really taking time to just slow down and really think through this Advent series and make room for Christ. We really want to just not allow the time to just take advantage of us and us miss it. We really, really want to slow down and think deeply of the reason uh, that we celebrate Christmas and just the beauty and, and the gift that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So make room for Christ, who is the hope of the word. Let me ask you, world, uh, let me ask you a question really quick. If you knew that Jesus was going to your house, kind of like uh, Zacchaeus, who was up in the sycamore, remember that? Zacchaeus was up there trying to see, who is this Jesus guy? And Jesus locks eyes with him and he says, Zacchaeus, make room, I'm coming to your house. What would you do? What would you do if you were Zacchaeus? What would you do if you know that the Lord Jesus was coming to your house? What's that? Build a garage. (laughs) You would make room for him, right? You would do whatever you could to, to, to make sure that he's welcomed and there's a place for him. And then you found out that he was staying for a few days. You'd get crazy about it. I think I would. I think that I would give him the best room. I don't care where I slept. As long as he was at my house, I'm going to make the best room for him. That's what I would do. Right? And so Matthew essentially did something similar because when Matthew, do you remember Matthew, the tax collector, also known as Levi? Jesus says, Matthew, follow me. And then what happens thereafter is that they go to his house. And we read that there's other tax collectors there as well. So I think it's safe to say that Matthew called everyone he knew and said, y'all, come over, Jesus is here. And so I think I I would actually do the same. I think I have all of your guys' phone numbers. I would text you and say, hey, Jesus is coming to my house. You should come over. Don't miss out. 
cancel all your plans, come over, and guess what I would do? I would also make room for you. And I would hope that you would do the same for me. I really would. If Jesus was going to your house, I would really hope that you would call me and let me know. And you can bet your bottom dollar I will be there, okay? I would hope that you would make room for me to come over and be able to listen to him and see him and enjoy him. And so with that in mind, with that in mind, I want to take us into the idea of going from making room for Christ because we, we must do that, right? We must make room for Christ, but also let's make room for others. And so today I want to just really think on that. Today's sermon title is Make Room for Others. Today we'll see that the Advent season not only teaches us to make room for Christ, but for others as well. We got to think about others, don't we? After all, this is what Christmas is all about, is what we say, right? The time of giving, the time of thinking through things. We think deeply through people's needs, and we think, what am I going to get her? What am I going to get him, right? We think of others. We make room for others as well. So let's make room for others at God's table because of the peace for, for all of us that he brought. It is for all of us. And so what does making room for others look like? Let's try to get a little bit practical according to the word of the Lord uh, and so I'm going to show you what it looks like, but I am reminded of my college days. In fact, my very first year of college in Pasadena, California, I remember this clearly. I was hungry and broke. It's a terrible combination to be hungry and broke, but I had something that your average and typical college student didn't have. What's that? Ramen I didn't even have ramen noodles. I had something better. I didn't have a credit card either. Although, true story, I got a credit card so I can get free Pollo Loco at college once. <laughs> it's no joke. I had an exclusive membership to Costco. Yes. That's what I had. And so your average student didn't have this. And so what did this mean for me? This mean that when I got hungry, I'd be like, yes, I'm in the club. I can go and I can walk up to the door, and I still feel that way today, where the door attendant looks at you and goes, you know, well, head knob. And I go, and then they go, get in, you know? Like I'm part of it, I'm part of the club. So I had that going on for me, and so then I would walk around, because I'm part of the club, you know, I've got the membership. And then because I was broke and hungry, I would go and sample everything, and that's how I would be fed. In fact, I would do this often enough where some of the sample ladies knew. and be like, Brandon, do you just want a full size? Please. <laughs> They're like, I got you. I got you. Thank you so much. It really felt really good to be taken care of that way, you know? Instead of a little, what do they call pigs in the blanket? They used to give me four or five of them, and you know what I'd be like? I'll make my rounds. I'll be back. I got you. And so, because I had this ex exclusive membership to this members-only club, you know, other, other students, my friends, would also be in the same situation that I would be in, broke and hungry. What a mess, I'm telling you. But then I'd be like, yo, I got you. I know a place. I can get you in. Because this is an exclusive club but you hungry, you don't need money, you just come with me. And so I would go and I would bring my buddies because if you, know, you go to Costco, you can bring a friend with you. 
And then, you know, you get the nod, like, welcome, welcome back, sir. <laughs> and then we would feast on the samples. And not only that, if we did have a couple bucks, we would be able to get that hot dog combo. You know what I'm talking about? You can't go wrong with that. And so I would make room for others. I would, I would say, hey, come, come, I got you. I can help you with your need. And so that's kind of what making room for others looks like, right? It's not that we're the ones who are feeding them, but we're actually preparing the way for them to be fed. Do you see what I'm saying? And so I'm going to show you a passage from the scriptures with the idea of making rooms for, room for others because Christ is something that we ought to be eager to share with others. It's not something that we ought to just sit down comfortably on the edge of our seat, right, and enjoy it for ourselves. No, let's tell everyone about the goodness of Jesus. Let's have everyone experience that peace and that love and that hope and that joy that comes only through Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to look at verse 1 through 11 today. Isaiah chapter 40. You can read along in the screens with me if you'd like. It says this, with the idea of making room for others. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The even ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All grass, all flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and he and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Amen and amen. This is what making room for others looks like, knowing that there's something beautiful, something important ahead. And I think that this passage provides very specific instructions on how we can actually, you know, make room for others impractically because sometimes too much information, too much description, not enough prescription. I hope that this will help us be a little more mobilized into doing these things. And so the first command that we read here is very simple, and that is comfort God's people. Church, comfort God's people. People of the Lord need to be comforted. Now that word comfort in the original Hebrew is nacham meaning to have compassion. In other words, have compassion on others. 
You know, that's, a, that's actually something that's very important and, and, and necessary for me to say to all of us, even for me to hear myself. It's because too often it's easy to look at other people's needs or just we know that people are hurting and we just wish them good luck instead of having compassion for them. And I'm specifically talking to you about those who we know. You know, this, I'm not just talking about strangers. It could be relatives. It could be friends. It could be neighbors. It could be whoever it is that you probably are not just reaching out to. Have compassion on God's people is what the Lord is saying. Have compassion for your brothers, for your sisters. I'll tell you one thing and I'll confess. You know, the Lord had to work hard on my heart and he did a good work that I may have compassion for my sister. You know, for the longest time, I just couldn't get along with my sister. And now the Lord has done something incredible in my heart and I love her. And we call each other, and we talk, and I worry about her, and I care for her, and I pray for her, and she does the same for me. This is the work of the Lord, and he's able to redeem us and, and, and to provide that peace that only comes from him. So have compassion with others. Console one another. Be comforted by one another. You know, you have to make room for others for this to happen through you, because if we isolate ourselves from other people, this is not going to be you. You're not going to be the compassionate person. You're not going to be the person to comfort others. We need this. As human beings, we long for this. We need, sometimes we don't even realize that this is what we need. But the Lord calls us to comfort one another. You know, many long for this peace that is only find through, found through Jesus. Uh, many long for, for us to just reach out. We ought to be conduits of the Lord's peace unto others' life. And so comfort one another. And then God goes on to tell Isaiah to say this to the people of Judah in Jerusalem in verse 2. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's from, from the Lord hand a double uh, from the Lord's hand hand double for all her sins. Excuse me. So in other words, let me let me paraphrase that so it makes sense. He's saying, tell tell your God fearing friends, tell your family, tell those around you that the sad days are gone and that we can now have peace because our sins have been pardoned through Jesus Christ. That's something that people need to hear. You know, there's a lot of people who walk around with guilt. There's a lot of people who walk around with condemnation. Romans tells us that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So wouldn't you want your friends, your loved ones, your neighbors to know of this, that they may experience the peace and the love of Christ? Tell them. Tell them. Now, the Lord has definitely dealt with God's people. We, we've been dealt with. I can tell you, the Lord has dealt with me in mighty ways, ways that I even have been uncomfortable at times, you know, where I go through things and I say, why? Why do I have to go through these things? He has dealt with us, but he's also been compassionate with us, and he has also sent people, the people of the Lord, to comfort us as well. And so this Advent season, let me just say this, and I cannot um, uh, stress it enough, comfort one another. You know, for some, the Christmas season is something to get excited about. For some, the Christmas season is just, man, I just can't wait. All of a sudden, December slows down, especially if you're a child. December slows down. If you're thinking you're anticipating a particular present and it might be under the tree, oh, you just can't wait. It's just a joyous time. You go, you look at the lights, and you just enjoy the season. But for others, it's far from that. For others, the Christmas season is actually very difficult. It could be very disheartening. It could be very 
just challenging. That joy that a child may have is just not there for some. It could be that this is the first year that I don't have mom with me. This is the first year that is just different, you know? This is supposed to be special. This is supposed to be good. Those people need to be comforted, you know? We need to be able to help one another. There are people who are going through challenges right now, and all they can think of is, man, I just wish things were great so that I can enjoy the season. Let me say something. They can enjoy the season. If our mind is calibrated in the correct way, and if our mind is fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ who has taken on flesh to be able to deal with our sins and pardon us that we may have peace with the Lord, if, if we're truly ingrained into that, we will enjoy every day. We will have the joy of the Lord every day. And so it is important for us to be able to remind each other of this because life takes a toll, toll on us, doesn't it? And so comfort one another. Now, there is also no doubt in my mind that many feel a pressure like no other during this season. You know, as parents, I felt this before. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm growing better at it, but there's no doubt about it. Every Christmas, I feel this little sense of pressure to have to buy things. You know what I mean? I feel this little sense of pressure to not let my family down. And sometimes to the point where I just don't even know what I'm going to do. And crazy things cross my mind like I'm going to go rob Elton's house. No, I'm just kidding. Those things don't cross my mind. (laughs) That'd be useless, wouldn't it? (laughs) But there's this insane amount of pressure that sometimes people go through and they need to be comforted and reminded that, hey, everything's well. What we need has been accomplished through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so again, some people are just not there. This is the end of the year and a lot of people say, I just can't wait for this year to be over, right? I just can't wait to have that fresh start. And you know, this is actually very, very much what the people of Jerusalem were feeling, the people here in Judah were feeling. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with the book of Isaiah very much, but this, this book, you know, we're, we now opened to chapter 40. Let me tell you, for the last 39 chapters of Isaiah, all the people of Israel and Judah were hearing was judgment, judgment, judgment. And that's what they were experiencing. They were experiencing dark times. And so for the prophecy and the message of, for unto us a child will be born, a son will be given, that was a message of hope. And then to be told, comfort your people, that is a breath of fresh air. You know, we need to be able to go and say to the people of God, the Lord is still with you. He still loves you. He has not forsaken you. Be comforted by this. And so this Advent season, take time, make room for others, and comfort God's people. Do you hear that? I'm speaking to myself as well. Let's comfort God's people. Another way we ought to make room for others is by preparing the way of the Lord. Look at this next section, this next thing. Prepare the way of the Lord. Verse 3, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for God. Hmm, wonder what this means. Well, I'll tell you what this does not mean. It does not mean that this is the work of a road and highways engineer. It's not actually telling us to go and make some roads and some highways and to level mountains and to fill valleys. This is not what it's saying. We have to really look and consider what the Lord is asking here. Or, or, or commanding us to do. So let me show you what preparing the way of the Lord actually looks like through John the Baptist. 
In fact, John the Baptist is who fulfills this word in Isaiah. And so you can read of John the Baptist in all four of the Gospels. In fact, that's how important this message is. John fulfilled these words by preaching powerful message. So what am I saying? He prepared the way of the Lord by preaching powerful messages to everyone, to others. He did not limit himself to just a, a core group of people. He was out there. He was saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. He was saying, repent of your sin. Realize what you need here, and you need forgiveness of sin. He emphasized baptism as a symbol of repentance, and he made it clear that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he was simply a voice that was preparing the way for him. So what am I saying here? John the Baptist prepared the way of the Lord by talking to people about him and by helping people recognize that they had a sin problem and that they needed forgiveness for that sin problem and they needed to get that washed off of them and that they couldn't do it themselves. Only Christ had the ability to do that. That's what it means to prepare the way. So we have to take a serious look into our lives and recognize that we are tainted by sin. You know, a lot of people don't even see that. I'll be the first to confess. Ask me this 10 years ago. I thought I was perfect. Actually, ask my wife about this. No, don't ask my wife about this. I don't want her to tell you who I used to be. But it's so easy for us to think the best of ourselves. And it's easy for us to look at others and say, sinner, 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 sinners. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. What about me? What about us? What about looking internally and realizing that we too have been tainted by sin? And then sometimes what happens is we try to deal with it ourselves. We try to be good. We try to be a good person. We try to be courteous. We try to be kind, which good attributes, but that doesn't wash away sin, right? And so what do we need to know? We need to know the solution to this problem, and that's Christ Jesus. And so to prepare the way is to help others see that they have a need for Jesus as well who is the Lamb of God, who takes the sin of the world. However, we will sometimes make the assumption that certain people are just hopeless. Or was that just me? <laughs> I'm telling you, brother. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we think, yeah, I need to share, prepare the way for others to be able to know the Lord and come to Him. But for some reason, I just don't see... John ever coming to the Lord, oh, it's hopeless. There's no reason for me to even talk to him. You know, that kind of attitude. Sometimes we have that kind of attitude. You know, John the Baptist didn't have that sin of partiality whatsoever. He just laid it straight. And some people received it and they were moved by it and they accepted it and they repented and they got baptized. And some people he called brood of vipers. You know, he's just laying it straight. He was making no partiality. He was just preparing the way. That's what we have been called to do. Because the fact of the matter is, we don't know who is of the elect of the Lord. We don't know who will come to the Lord, right? And who won't. We've not been given the task to save people. We've been given the task to talk about Jesus, to go and make disciples of all nations. We don't do the saving. The Lord does the saving, you know? And there are people that I have seen and witnessed to that I never imagined would be saved. And to me, that's enough to know and think that anything is possible for the Lord. It's not up to me to determine who will or won't be saved. God will save whom he will save, and he's in the business of saving. Amen? 
And so don't make that mistake. Don't assume that certain people are just unsavable. Prepare the way of the Lord for every heart to be able to receive them. And so sometimes, you know, again, we say in our hearts, no, there's just no way. Let me, let me emphasize this. This season, make room for others in a way that you've not made room before. Consider others uh, in a way that's different, knowing that it's not up to you for them to be saved. But for some reason, the Lord has called us to witness to others. Verse 4, it says, Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain shall be made low. Then even ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, the meaning of this is absolutely made clear, in my opinion, through the events surrounding John the Baptist. Now, the leveling of the mountains, as we read there, that was done by blasting away at the self-righteous Pharisees and Sadducees who felt there was no need of a Savior. John demonstrated that. The raising of the valleys was done by giving hope to wretched sinners who sincerely thought and felt that there was no Savior possible. There's two kinds of people. People that just feel like, man, I don't need anything. I don't need God. I don't need saving. I'm good to go. And there are some people who say, have mercy on me, a wretched sinner. I need you. I need something. I need your forgiveness. Let's prepare the way of the Lord so that people may come to see Jesus face to face. This is how we ought to prepare the way. We must do some leveling and we must do some raising of valleys. Someone said it this way, and I love it. I I wish I could tell you who said it, but he said, disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed. Write that down. That's good. Disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed. Now, to disturb doesn't mean to go and be annoying. (laughs) To disturb means to go and challenge someone's heart, someone's thinking. Don't be a pest, but be the voice of truth. Sometimes truth hurts, but it's so good to hear it. You know, like, I do not like when people point out the fact that I have a little booger in my face. It's so offensive, but at the same time, I'm grateful that you pointed it out. (laughs) Something like that, okay? I just came out. I was not ready to say that, so I hope it landed well. Look, the glory of God has been displayed. Just going back to that verse verse 5. It has already been displayed. It has been fulfilled. It's been done in several ways, beginning with the manger. Angelic hosts herald the advent of the glory of God. A voice from heaven on the day that Jesus was baptized was said or was heard and said in Matthew 3.17, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. However, the glory of God was nowhere greater in display as it was on the cross. And so the words of Isaiah are fulfilled beginning with those events in Matthew, even, or, or uh, with John the Baptist, even before that in the uh, birth of Jesus. But the glory of God was in displayed for all to see at the cross of Christ. There all were able to see the attributes of Christ. There everyone was able to see on display that there's something different, something distinct about this, this man. There everyone was able to see his love, his mercy, his grace, his wisdom, his power. There at the cross, everyone was able to see God's wrath 
His justice, his patience, and more. It didn't matter who you were, Jew or Gentile. In fact, one of the Roman centurions looks up and says, surely this was the Son of God. Because the glory of God was on display, and therefore the word of the Lord through Isaiah is fulfilled. And so the words that we read once again in Isaiah 40 verse 5 are therefore fulfilled. And we have been called to help others see it. And God will ultimately be the one to show himself to his chosen people. We don't have to worry about that, but we do have to be faithful in preparing the way for others. We are called to do this, so make room and prepare the way for others. And verse 5 ends in saying this, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. <clears throat> I have spoken. I can't help but to think of that line, right? This spoken word is actually the gospel of Christ. The gospel is Christ, and it is God's comforting word to salvation. We have the message. We have the gospel. We have the very thing to share with others. The gospel of Christ is the prepared way for salvation. So when we make room for others, we make room for the purpose and the intention of being able to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's the final point that I'd like to share with you guys. Share the good news with others. Comfort God's people. Prepare the way of the Lord. Share the good news with others. Verse 6, a voice says, cry. What does this mean to cry? This is to call out, to proclaim. Tell it, go, say it. Shout it out loud and say, and, and say this, because Isaiah is asking, well, what should I say? What should I cry? He says, all flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. But here's the thing. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. God has called us to be his messengers, is what he's saying here, to remind others of the reality that we are all temporary in this world. We don't have an unlimited amount of days. We all fall and perish, you know what I mean? As Ecclesiastes makes it very clear, hevel, vanity, meaningless without Christ. You know, yeah, sure, we have our glory days as people, as, as human beings. Like, I don't know about you, but I was able to be part of a championship team, and I enjoyed it very much, and I got a big old ring and whatnot. That was very enjoyable. I would say, man, that was the prime. You know what I mean? Athletes get medals. They get trophies. They get all these things. People, explorers, find new, pl- new places. People will have those moments of flourishing, but it will not last forever. And so human splendor, it all withers and it dies when the Lord determines it, not you. It is not up to you to determine the time or the days of your life, but it is entirely up to the Lord. The glory of the Lord is in display on the word of the Lord. And so we must share that because that in itself will never fade. Those are words of eternal life. And so when we prepare room for others, when we declare the goodness of God, when we declare the gospel, what we're doing is we're imparting words of life and life everlasting. Look at what Matthew 24, 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. These are the words of Jesus. Therefore, share that which is everlasting with others. And then we'll look at these final verses here in Isaiah. And he says, go up to a high mountain, O Zion. That's O you people of God, by the way. You are the herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Why would he say that? Because, man, sometimes talking to people about the Lord is so scary, isn't it? 
But fear not, it is not up to you to save them, it is up to the Lord. All right, you just do and be obedient to him. But fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. We, God's people, are given the responsibility of loudly proclaiming the words of the gospel, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says, behold your God. That's what you said. Behold your God. That's to say, here he is. Here's God. Ta-da. You know, he's right. It's like an unveiling. Behold, your God is here, cities of Judah. Everything that you're looking for, everything that you're longing for this season, it's this. He's here. This is to proclaim the gospel, is to be able to direct people at the goodness of Jesus and who he is. He is good and he's strong and he's mighty and this is exactly everything that we long for. But he's also a good shepherd, one who's comforting, one who's tender with us, one who provides for us. He's just good. That's who we need. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come to me. Jesus says this to his people. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he goes on to say, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now, these are the only times this, that Jesus actually gives like a self-description of his character. He says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Wow. But he's also all-powerful, almighty. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Make no mistake of that. And his second advent will be different than his first. His first advent really reflects that, what he said there, that he is gentle and lonely at heart. But his second, his second advent, watch out. It's not going to be like the first one. And so we must be ready. We must just anticipate him like someone who anticipated a thief in the night, right? You just never know what's going, but I'm ready. I got my schlag on. I got my security cameras. I'm ready, right? We got it. We got to be ready. <clears throat> And here's the thing, there's still room at God's table. There's still room for others at God's table. As long as we're given a new day of life, we're given an opportunity to be able to add to that table. And so make room for others. Share the good news of the gospel with everyone. Make no distinction. Do not fall for the sin of partiality. Make room for others at God's table that they too will be baptized into Christ. Now, in regards to leveling the plains and and leveling the, the mountains and, and raising the, the valleys. Check this out. This is what happens when we submit to the Lordship of Christ, when we come to a saving grace and understanding of who God is. Galatians 3, 26 to 28 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what he does. He makes it all plain, all simple. He grafts us all in to his body. He saves us without distinction. He does what only he can do. He gets us into that exclusive membership. We get those executive member cards into the table in the kingdom of God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's a challenge question for you all, something to ponder this season. How can you, 
level mountains and raised valleys to make room for others this season? How, how can you lead others to Christ? How can you display the love and the tenderness of Jesus Christ and others this season? That's something for us to really consider the rest of the season, actually the rest of our lives as believers. Because as God has made room for you through Christ, we ought to just scoot over and also make room for others. Amen? That's what we've been called to do. There are a lot of people today that I can think of that need to be comforted. There are a lot of people today that need to be shown the way to the Lord. And there are a lot of people today that just need to hear the truth of the gospel. Amen? And for some reason... I couldn't tell you why, honestly. The Lord has called us to be conduits of that message. For some reason, he has chosen us to go and declare the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's be obedient stewards of that and do what the Lord has called us to do. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, for your word today. Lord, help us be obedient, Father, and submissive, Lord Jesus, to the calling that you've placed in our lives, Father, to go and make disciples of all nations. As we read here in Isaiah chapter 40, yes, people were in a dark place, but you have comforted them, Lord Jesus, and you've called us to go and do the same in our generations, Lord. Help us be comforting, compassionate to others, Father. Help us, Father, be instruments, Father, for your kingdom by preparing the way that you may come in as as the day that you did in that triumphal entry where people laid down palm branches and cloaks, Father, for you to be able to just be well-received. Hosanna to the highest. Peace on earth to you, Lord. We need that. And we thank you that we can find that through you, Jesus. Help us prepare the way that people would come and be a part of your table, Lord. And Lord, help us be prudent and clear when it comes to representing who you are, that we would not taint you, that people would not have a misconception of who you are. For if people think that you are not good, then we have fallen short and we have misrepresented you. But Father, we pray that you would give us the wisdom to be able to lead others to you, the wisdom to be able to explain the things that are hard to explain, Father, that they may see their need for a Savior, and that that is you, and you are the one who pardons, you are the one who forgives, you are the one who saves, and you are the one who gives new life. Lord Jesus, move in our lives, allow us to be your servants in this way. So, Lord, this Christmas season, we make room for you, and we also make room for others, knowing that you're still in the business of saving. You are a merciful and holy God. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.